Oh, um, I meant to tell you that somebody had a suggestion that I was like, I'm actually into that suggestion, which is she was saying that we should, uh, at the beginning of the ep- each episode, we should not believe that everybody has listened before, right? Because people come in. And we should do a, like, uh, welcome yeah. to Desert Stories, a show where we do blah, 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 blah. And then, a like, year ago, we fell through a dimensional I know, portal I know. and fell in front of my... And, of course, that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, yeah. You want to write something? I could. A year ago, we sat down on the floor of Sarah's bedroom. <laughs> no, just like, you know... And now we're back! This is Dentime Stories, a weekly podcast where we talk about whatever the fuck we want, because it's, it's our, our show, podcast, not, not yours. yours. like that one <laughs> do you like it yeah uh, we, but i, got I it. like yeah, that no i like that suggestion okay. too yeah. i always just assume because it's called dead time stories <laughs> that people are like oh it's probably about spooky, spooky shit. shit and i'm sure it's like all the other million podcasts out about there two shit. bitches talking <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of our spinoff two bitches, two bitches talking. talking two bitches talking i have a play called a couple of white ladies sitting around talking. Yeah. And that's literally what it's called, and it's two white women. Of course. I was going to say, why is that like Sex in the City? A couple of white ladies sitting around talking. Well, that was a bunch of white ladies, because more than two. I was going to say, because I'm, I'm one of those people, I don't always say a couple meaning two. I know. A couple is two or more. A couple to me is like, yeah, like two to four, I might say a couple. I'm not going to say a couple of like, is five. That's like a few people. To be several is like more, more is like six or seven. <laughs> I had this conversation the other day where it's like, if I tell you, go get me a couple of something, I'm meaning at least two. At least, yeah. Right? Don't bring me one or don't bring me five. Sure. Bring me like two to four. Two, two. Right? See, two to four yeah, is reasonable for a couple. couple. Also, if I ask for a Coke, it could mean any type of soda. <laughs> I'm not that kind of Southern. I think that they might be They say that Texas about the thing. South, but yeah, I was like, that's not, they don't do that where I'm from. You Coke. say a Coke, you mean Coca-Cola. Well, like if I walk but, into someone's house and they're like, uh, do you want anything to drink? I've got water, milk, Coke. That Coke could be a Dr. Pepper. Well, and North Carolina is very divided on it because North Carolina is also Pepsi country because mm. Pepsi is from North Carolina, but not everybody from North Carolina wants, pe- like, is into Pepsi. It's because like, it's garbage. They're really into one or the other. My mom was really into Diet Pepsi, but Sarah, we still haven't introduced ourselves. Uh, hi, everyone. Hey, everybody. I'm Sarah. I'm Stephanie. And this is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where two spooky gals get together and talk about ghosts, mysteries, true crimes, farts, poop stuff. And fetishes. And fetishes sometimes. All sorts of spooky, weird shit. Literally. Welcome. Welcome to the show if it's your first time here. Welcome back if you're a returning listener. Yeah, I guess I just never thought that like new people would be listening. I just expect that it's Colleen and Mary Angela and Christina sitting in a room and together. Zach. And Zach. And <laughs> Zach. I'm so sorry, Zach. And Zach sitting in a room never been together. On the show. Yeah, listening. and now that Christina moved up here, 
They're going to all sit in the same room and listen. We got to talk about Guesttoberfest. We do got to talk about Guesttoberfest. We got to make plans for for upcoming Guesttoberfest. If you're a fan of the show who also lives in the area and you'd be interested in coming on for Guesttoberfest, reach out to us. We're doing it again this year. We're doing it again. So Guesttoberfest strikes again is back we'll figure it out yeah we'll call the it sequel the, the squeakquel <laughs> squeakquel <laughs> um yeah i'm into guest overfest um and i thought i had said this on the podcast but apparently i didn't because mary angela said she hadn't heard this that i got a gig at terror behind the wall i don't think you did because we I recorded did, right crazy three weeks ago um, yeah, I mean, I found out on the 23rd of August, and I don't remember when we recorded last, so maybe, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, you guys remember Eastern State Penitentiary? From episode one. Your girl is gonna be working up in cell block 12. I'm just kidding. Oh my no, god. You're not. I, is it where- Are you gonna go there? I keep looking, like, see, you look I at think it? it's blocked off. Because I keep- Because there's a ghost I keep there. looking around for it. I'm Are you asking curious. people about it? I haven't yet. So I'm going to be working in the speakeasy at, at Terror Behind the Walls at Eastern State Penitentiary. Uh, and it's like serious. It's like a whole second job. But the speakeasy is a special like extra part. Like and it's I'm new, right? Um, It's like five. It's been part of it for like five years. Oh, okay. Although this year it's like bigger than they've ever made it before. And um, I learned a lot of stuff. So it's cool how much stuff I already knew when I was going through, like, the first couple of days of training where I was like, I already know this and I know that. Where they talked about how, like, differentiating between Eastern State Penitentiary and Terror Behind the Walls and how once it's nighttime, you don't call it Eastern State anymore. You call it, this is Terror Behind the Walls. You're allowed to call it the prison. You're allowed to call it the haunted prison. But you don't call it Eastern State. And I was like... On I mean, you talked about that. I did. They really want to separate. They the do two. because the mission of Eastern State Penitentiary is all about prison reform, and they talked about how there is no museum really dedicated to talking about the history of prison in the United States, and we have the most people in prison in the in the world in this country. Uh, so it's a big part of their mission to talk about prison and prison reform and the history of. Uh, criminal justice in the United States and terror behind walls while like they love it they love it because it's a big money maker for the museum oh yeah that lets them continue to do their actual mission of talking about that but terror behind walls is supposed to be a lot of fun I've never been I will go on a night that I'm not working and go through the whole thing but the speakeasy is an extra part. Uh, it's like 10 extra bucks to go to the speakeasy. And there's like drinks and there's a lounge singer, which I'm going to be one of the singers. There's like blackjack. There's a contortionist. Ew. There's like a witch's area. Ew. There's a place with a Ouija board. Nope. <laughs> there's like, nope. Um, <laughs> Never mind. I don't like it. But I'm super excited. I can't wait to do it. Everybody, the majority of the people that are doing it are people who've done it before. Yeah. So most the people who work it work it multiple years they all talk about how much fun it is i was is. like they love it they all come back because i used to employ a ton of them at zombie and so a lot of my employees at zombie also did terror behind the walls yeah and they were like once you're in you always want to come back it's like a little cult and yeah so like <laughs> the first couple of days we haven't done anything really about terror it's all been about safety it's all been about like the how to get out because there's really only the one exit yeah um so like it's all about how to get around how to be safe how to interact with the building because the building itself 
is an active ruin. It's falling apart, and it they is don't. Active. Yes, it's actively haunted <laughs> with ghosts. <laughs> um, but in that, like, they don't like once something falls apart, it falls apart. They don't really like rebuild. They're trying to keep it preserved the yeah. way that it's always been. Yeah. Um, so with that means you know not. Don't touch the walls. There's peeling paint. Don't peel the paint. Don't chip at it. Don't mess with any of that. Don't go into the cells that are barred off, which is most of them. Um, So most of the training so far has been that. So this coming week is when I start my actual, like, event training. And I'm super, super excited about it. It seems like it's going to be fun. Everybody who's doing it. It's only me and one other girl who've never done it before. Everybody else is like, oh my God, it's so much fun. This is my fourth year. I've been doing it for five yeah. years. I've been doing it for, our manager's been doing it for five years. Who's the speakeasy. Who's your manager? Uh, Shannon Turner, who oh. I know her through doing like cabaret stuff around Philadelphia. She's part of a group called Glitter and Garbage, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, and we saw her perform actually at a burlesque event like a while back. But she's been doing terror for seven years, but she's been doing the speakeasy since it opened five years ago. So, like, there's a ton of people who, like, keep coming back. Um, it's, yeah, it seems like it's going to be really cool. I'm super excited. Yay! And you're going to have to keep an eye out for some ghosts. For some ghosts. I'm looking for them. So, I'm I, looking around. I haven't seen anything. Have that, you asked anyone who works there if Not seen yet. Ghosts? Not yet. But I did should. tell them all about my podcast, and all of them were, like, excited. <laughs> I told them about it when they were, they're like, tell us, you know, something you're excited about this year, or, you know, because most of the people have done it before, so, like, tell us about, like, your favorite memory of yeah. terror behind walls, and if you've never done it, like, tell us about, like, what you're excited about, and I was like, you know, I was like, I do a podcast called Dead Time Stories, and actually, <laughs> I talked about Eastern State and Terror Behind the Walls on the first episode of my show, and now I'm here, and this is, like, really exciting. Woo. So, yeah, I'm super pumped. It sounds like it's gonna be a really good time. I, I can't mean, wait. to be like, we're cell block 12. I look around, Show because me. they have most of them marked off, so I yeah. see, I see one through nine. So I don't know where like the extended oh, ones are because go one it. through nine, it's basically like a almost like a clock. It's a circle. So you yeah. can like yeah, you can turn and they're like one, two, three, four. So I know where one through nine is, hmm. but I don't know where like ten through twelve is. Hmm. And it might be blocked off because lots of stuff is like locked off. Yeah. So they might be like, don't go in there, not because it's haunted, but because it's falling apart. Because it's haunted. Because it's haunted. There's a lady in there. Right. She gonna scream at you. And run. Oh, and run. run right in your face. Right up to you. Uh, well, something else that's scurry. When this releases, it'll be one week until my show. Oh, <laughs> shit, girl. Yeah, Sarah, your show's happening. Get it. You're prepared. You're ready. I keep sending people, ask me, how are you feeling? And I keep sending people the gif, that shot of... The reporter interviewing the little boy on yes. his first day of school. Yes. And he's like smiling and then he just breaks down. That's where I'm at. That's one of my favorite gifts. That's one of my favorite gifts. Because I'm like, that's me all the time. And people are like, how are you doing? And he's like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes. That's me. Hard relate. So that's where I'm at right now. Okay. But um, it'll be fine. Sure. Everything comes together in tech. It does. Yeah. So. No, uh, it'll be good. We open in a week, so be sure to come check it out. We run for two more weekends after next weekend. 
and then it's all over. If you want to be part of the group of Dead Time Stories fans that are going oh, to true. see the show, we're arranging to go on the last performance, October 6th. That's also the day before my birthday. Um, I will not be able to stay too late after the show because I work terror behind the walls that night. Yeah. So um, I have to catch that one because it's one of those Sunday matinees. So Sunday, October 6th, if you want to go with the Dead Time Stories group, that's where we're going. Two o'clock, Allen's Lane. Uh, Allen's Lane Art Center. Yes. Where the theater is, and we're gonna go, and we're gonna, you know, see our our bitch get crazy. And it's gonna be the last performance, so who the fuck knows so what's gonna happen at that time? Crazy. <laughs> if you're not who a theater knows? person, if you don't know, the last performance is when shit gets wild. Because you're like, what are they gonna fuck do? It's the last show, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go crazy. So maybe we're gonna turn into a musical. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Um, yeah. I love that picture that Teresa posted. Uh, of me in the background. Right. Because her face, like, she looks so serious and she's holding the baby. And I didn't even notice your face until I read her caption. And then I just see you, like, <laughs> derping in the background. That's me. Yeah. I'm Mary Angela. She posted it on the Allen's Lane site, too, on their Instagram. And she had texted to me before and she said, when your lead actress ruins a perfect shot by acting a fool. Yeah. And I said, Mary Angela, you knew who I was when you casted me. She sure did. What else do you expect? Yeah. I didn't think I was going to be in the shot. That's why I was making that face. It is a serious show, I promise. Yeah. And Teresa's doing a great job. Mm. She kills a baby. You don't see it. Maybe on the last performance. <laughs> <laughs> one can one can only hope. Teresa? I don't think she listens. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Maybe sometimes to the episodes that she's on. It's true. Sometimes. Sometimes. Well, Stephanie. Sarah. We had a solid like ten minutes of banter. We did. And the boy He is a whining. So we're still I wonder still if there's anything recording. like going to shrimping. <laughs> Did you listen to this week's editorial? Yes. Oh, this one, it was so good. <laughs> going to shrimping. Going to shrimping. Yes, I love it. Sea Witch. What else happened? Oh, she was God, like, I loved. <laughs> I loved her throwing up seawater. Yes. Just, oh my God, it sounded so horrible. I know, I was like, oh, gross. Uh, hello from the Magic Tavern, if you're not familiar. It's our favorite we podcast. talk about it all the time. It's great. Bom, 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 Get wet. I went back and started listening to some of the earlier episodes and forgot all of Chunt's One of my, my favorite episodes is called Mike Test, and it's like in the 90s, episode 90-something. But it's the first one where they leave the tavern and they go... Uh, they, like, try to go on the dungeon crawl, and then they talk to Clax and the slime, and then the very last part, like, Arnie and Clax are still talking, and Usador and Chant, like, go finish the dungeon and come back, and then they talk about how it was, like, the most amazing experience. (laughs) Like, if anybody missed it, like, they feel sorry. I love that episode. That's one of my other favorites. I also love this one, because they're like, wait, this doesn't have video? Right. What the fuck are we doing? doing? Yeah, no, this is a great episode this week. It's a great show. Sarah. Stephanie. Y'all ready ready to talk talk about about some ghosts? And not just other podcasts? Do you want me to do my medium story first? Yeah. Because I'm, yeah. (laughs) And we apologize for the audio quality still. We are still recording on the floor of my bedroom. 
and the dog is still whining and jangling outside the door. Yeah, we had a little scheduling uh, incompatibility with our studio space, so we're just going to be doing two more episodes on the snowball. In our backup space. On Old Faithful. That's what I call the snowball. But if you want to help us create a better backup space, donate to our Patreon. Of course, you can do that at, is it just patreon.com slash stories with a Z, all one word? Yep, that's it. Um, yeah, easy. and you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month, you guys. We'll take it. All right, yeah. Stephanie, what are you talking about? I'm going to be- I'm ready to get scurred. Uh, so this one is, this one's more weird than next week's story. So this one, uh, have you heard of, or do you remember, cause this is in very recent history, Havana syndrome. It sounds familiar, but off the top of my head, I have no idea. Tell me. So this happened when we just opened up relations again with Cuba. The U S just opened up relations again with Cuba in like 2015. Okay. And we had uh, reenacted like our diplomacy there and our embassy. And starting in like 2017, late 2017, uh, some of the operatives that worked there started to complain of weird different syndromes. Okay. And hearing this, it started with hearing a noise in their apartment. So this noise sounded (laughs) kind of like that. I was like, God, Snoopy. So the noise started. Do we? I'm like, should I put him in his kennel? Right. I was like, should you crate him? Yeah. But like, give him a treat. Right. I was like, is he going to be too loud in here? Do we need to crate him somewhere else? Okay. Stop bitching. So it started with them uh, saying that they were hearing this weird noise in their apartment and some of them described it as like loud bugs. Some of them described it as like a high pitched metal sound, like metal being rubbed together. Um, And I have the sound (gasps) if you want to hear it. Um, Now, so they recorded it. Yes. So they have a recording of the sound, but. Now, mind you, these people were exposed to this for long periods of time. So I'm just playing it for a short time so you shouldn't have any effects other than you'll be like, I hate that sound. Okay. (laughs) Is it a sound that they didn't notice at first? And then they were like, whoa, whoa. Most of the people said they heard the sound. Some people said they never even heard the sound. But the majority of the people said that before all these symptoms started, they had heard this sound in their apartment and it was nonstop. Like it was just kind of this background noise that wouldn't go away. All right. Show me this creepy sound. That's scarier than my dog. (gasps) That's so annoying. Turn it off. So that's the sound. How loud was that on a daily basis? From my understanding, it varied. Um, But from my understanding, for the most part, it was pretty quiet. It was just constant. I was like, because if it was that loud, I would... Do do people end up killing themselves? Because I'm like, I would kill myself. No. I'm pretty sure, to be honest, no one actually in relation to this story, nobody actually died. That's good. Okay. Um, But 
the sound made people have all sorts of physical responses. Like people were physically ill. People were getting all kinds of headaches. They were experiencing um, motor skill loss, um, all sorts of stuff like that, where it was changing their brain function, basically, um, from being exposed to this noise all the time. So it started in August 2017. That's when they started reporting it. And it was mostly American uh, diplomats, but there were also uh, Canadians that were experiencing it as well. The U.S. government accused Cuba, uh, Cuba. Cuba. The U.S. government accused Cuba of perpetuating unspecified attacks causing these symptoms. The U.S. reduced their staff to the embassy because they were so many people were coming back ill that they were like, "Okay, any non-essential personnel, you're out. Like you're not going to be wow. there." Because uh, this is becoming such a problem. Subsequent studies of the affected diplomats found that they had actually experienced brain injuries <gasps> from these noises, but they did not determine a cause for the for the actual thing that happened. So the health problems typically had a sudden onset. The victim would suddenly begin hearing strange grating noises that they perceived as coming from a specific direction. So from coming from somewhere inside the apartment. Uh, most of them experienced it in their homes. But there were other places where they heard it as well. Some of them experienced it as a pressure or a vibration. They would feel it kind of in their head. Like like when you, um, people who have migraines and it's about yes. to rain, the barometric pressure like will really fuck up their head. They would explain it as feeling something like that. Like just this really intense pressure. Um, and the sensation was comparable to driving a car with the window partly rolled down. Like oh, that kind of like shaky. Yes. yes. So the duration of these attacks ranged from 20 seconds to 30 minutes and always happened while the, while the diplomats were either at home or in a hotel room. Other people nearby, family members, and guests in neighboring rooms did not report hearing the sound. The Associated Press has released what it said was a recording of the sound, which I played for you. That was the Associated oh. Press's copy. And some embassy workers uh, heard it while they were in Cuba. Some U.S. embassy individuals have reportedly experienced lasting health effects, including one unidentified U.S. diplomat who is said to now need a hearing aid. The State Department declared that the health problems were either the result of an attack or due to exposure to an as-yet-unknown device, and declared that they were not blaming the Cuban government but would not say who was to blame. Affected individuals describe symptoms such as hearing loss, memory loss, and nausea. Speculation centered around a sonic weapon, with some researchers pointing to infrasound as a possible cause. In August of 2017, the United States expelled two Cuban diplomats in response to illnesses. In September, the U.S. State Department stated that it was removing non-essential staff from the U.S. Embassy and warned U.S. citizens not to travel to Cuba. In October 2017, U.S. President Trump said, I do believe he was responsible. I believe that. Going on to say, it's not a very unusual attack, as you know, but I do believe Cuba is responsible because, you know, he's very articulate. On March 2nd, 2018, the U.S. State Department announced it would continue to staff its embassy in Havana at the minimum level required to perform core diplomatic and consular functions due to the concerns about health attacks on the staff. The embassy had been operating under ordered departure status in September, but that status was set to expire. This announcement served to extend the staff reductions indefinitely. In January of 2018, the Associated Press reported that a non-public FBI report found no evidence of intentional sonic attack, 
A November 2018 report in The New Yorker found that the FBI's investigation into the incidents was stymied by conflict with the CIA and the State Department. The CIA was reluctant to reveal, even to other U.S. government agencies, the identities of affected officers because of the CIA's concern about possible leaks. Federal rules on the privacy of employee medical records also hindered the investigation. In January of 2018, the direction of Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, the Department of State conveyed on Accountability Review Board, which is an internal State Department mechanism to review security incidents involving diplomatic personnel, Retired United States Ambassador to Liberator Peter Bode was chosen to lead the board. No one knows still, like even from their from their investigations, they really couldn't find anything conclusive about what was causing it. So they don't know what caused the noise, why they were affected, or who did it? No. There are theories, so yeah, I want to I want to talk a little more about the the studies regarding the injuries that they still sustain to this day. Some of them have actually lost brain mass, like their brain weighs shrunk. less, right? Like they've seen from MRIs that their brain has shrunk from their experience. At the request of the U.S. government, the uh, the University of Pennsylvania actually uh, UPenn researchers examined twenty one affected diplomats. And the preliminary results were published in the Journal of American Medical Association in March of 2018. The report found no evidence of white matter tract abnormalities in affected diplomats beyond what might be seen in a control group of the same age and described a new syndrome in the diplomats that resembled persistent concussion. While some of those affected recovered swiftly, others have had symptoms last for months. The study concluded that the diplomats appear to have sustained injury to widespread brain networks. Some experts criticized the study, arguing that there was no proof that any kind of energy source affected the diplomats or even that an attack took place. Subsequent study findings by the UPenn team, published in July 2019, found that compared to a healthy control group, the diplomats who had reported injury had experienced brain trauma. Advanced MRI scans, specifically ResF MRI, multimodal MRI, and diffusion MRI, revealed differences in whole brain white matter volume, regional gray matter and white matter volume, cerebral microstructural integrity, and functional connectivity in the auditory and visual spatial subnetworks, but found no differences in executive functions. So you mentioned earlier that it was like they had suffered multiple concussions. Yes. So is it like these sound waves are just like, banging your brain well remember some of them also said it felt like pressure or vibration Uh so it could be that the sound is enough like it's at a frequency to make the brain vibrate enough to bounce around in there because the way what a concussion is is basically when your brain hits your skull yeah because because your brain brain is is floating floating. in liquid juice goop around (laughs) in your skull it doesn't actually touch your skull Mm. so swelling on the brain is always really dangerous because it's when your brain starts to crush up against your skull where it's not really supposed to be so i'm thinking it's something like that if they felt the vibration or the pressure it might have been the pressure of kind of their brain either swelling or the brain kind of bouncing around in ways that it shouldn't have but you said that they could be in a hotel or in the same home as relatives and they would hear it and the relatives and someone else wouldn't. wouldn't 
That makes me, is it like an implant? Do they get implanted with something? Who knows, right? If it's um, only affecting them? The study concluded that the U.S. government personnel had been physically injured in a way consistent with the symptoms that they described, but expressed no conclusion on the cause or source of the injury. The New York Times reported outside experts were divided on the study's conclusions. Some saw important new evidence. Others say it is merely a first step toward an explanation and difficult to interpret given the small number of patients. So here are some theories regarding the cause. A cause or source of the phenomenon has never definitely been determined. In 2018, U.S. State Department Medical Director Dr. Charles Rosenfarb testified to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee that the unique constellation of symptoms and findings had no obvious cause. The co-lead author of the 2019 study published in JAMA, which is the Journal of American Medical Association, Regini Verma of the University of Penn Perlman School of Medicine considered a wholly psychogenic or psychosomatic cause to be very unlikely given the researchers' findings, and Rosenfarb testified that the State Department had all but ruled out mass hysteria as a cause. In 2017 and 2018, sociologist Robert Bartholomew and some neurologists had suggested that an episode of mass hysteria and mass psychogenic illness was... Hey, Train. Y'all donate to our Patreon, our Patreon so this doesn't have to happen again. <laughs> and mass psychogenic illness was behind the reports. In 2018 interview, Douglas H. Smith, a co-author of the JAMA study, said that microwaves were considered a main suspect of the phenomenon. A 2018 study... Just like microwaves had listening devices in them when the election was happening. Oh, right? Wasn't that something that was Was that said? a thing people said? Wasn't that something Donald Trump said? He said that Barack Obama bugged the microwaves girl. to listen to him. A 2018 study... <laughs> We're just going to skip over that. ...published in the journal Neural Computation by Beatrice Alexander Gollum rejected the idea that a sonic attack was the source of the symptoms and concluded that the facts were consistent with pulsed radiofrequency microwave radiation exposure as the source of the injury. Gollum wrote that, one, the nature of the noises reported by the diplomats was consistent with sounds caused by a pulsed RM, RFMW via the fray effect... Two, the signs and symptoms reported by the diplomats match symptoms from RFMW exposure. Problems with sleep, cognition, vision, balance, speech, headaches, sensations of pressure or vibration, nosebleeds, brain injury, and brain swelling. Three, oxidative stress provides a documented mechanism for RFMW injury compatible with reported signs and symptoms. And four, in the past, the U.S. Embassy in Moscow was subject to a microwave attack. Neuroscientist Alan H. Frey, for whom the Frey effect is named, considered the microwave theory to be viable and speculated that Cubans aligned with Russia, the nation's longtime ally, might have launched microwave strikes in attempts to undermine developing ties between Cuba and the United States. Huh. Although he also believed that the cause would ultimately maintain a mystery. Some other scientists, including physicist Peter Zimmerman and bioengineer Kenneth R. Foster, disagreed, considering the microwave hypothesis to be implausible. In March 2018, Kevin Fu and a team of computer scientists at the University of Michigan reported in a study that ultrasound, specifically intermodulation distortion from multiple inaudible ultrasonic signals from malfunctioning or improperly placed Cuban surveillance equipment, could have been the origin of the reported sounds. Hmm. 
In January of 2019, biologists Alexander L. Stubbs of University of California, Berkeley, and Fernando Monteregli of the University of Lincoln analyzed a recording of a sound made by U.S. personnel in Cuba and released to the Associated Press, which was the That's sound we, we played. Stubbs and Montalegrazi concluded that the sound was caused by the calling song of the Indies short-tailed cricket, rather than a technological device. Stubbs... Mother Nature's trying to kill us. Stubbs and Montalegrazi matched the song's pulse repetition rate, power spectrum, pulse rate stability, and oscillations per pulse to the recording. Stubbs and Montalegra wrote that although the causes of the health problems reported by embassy personnel are beyond the scope of this paper and called for more rigorous research in the source of these ailments, including the potential psychogenic effects, as well as possible physiological explanations unrelated to sonic attacks. This conclusion was comparable to the 2017 hypothesis from Cuban scientists that the sound on the same recording is from Jamaican field crickets. Reuters reported that Jason, a group of physicists and scientists who advised the U.S. government, determined that a rare jungle cricket was the cause of the sounds in Havana. A rare jungle cricket. Cricket. So those are the theories. Huh. I know what it was. A jungle cricket? Aliens. Aliens. That's possible, too. I heard that. It was It was definitely alien noise. Definitely aliens. So... That is Havana Syndrome. So no one died from it, and no one killed themselves from it, but it made people ill, and they have brain injuries from it. It's pretty important. Like, measurable brain injuries. Yes. Whew. All right. Well, I'm not going to go to Cuba. If I do, (laughs) I'm going to bring earplugs. Just, Just don't be a diplomat. Don't be a diplomat. Just be their relative. They didn't get hurt. Yeah. Those people are fine. Those people are fine. All right. Well, I'm taking it back to a good Plugging old fashioned ghost story. Ghost Do it, bitch. Ghost story. What are you talking about? So I'm talking about the haunting of Ashton Villa. I don't in know why Galveston. I thought you were going to say Ashton Kutcher. The haunting of Ashton Kutcher. Was he on Celebrity Ghost Stories? <sighs> I hope so. We'll have to look and I'll see. I'll find out. We'll find it. Nope. This is the haunting of Ashton Villa in Galveston. So I was looking up ghost stories in Houston, and I stumbled about this one. And what's cool about this one is this isn't so much a story about the haunting itself, but this is going to be about the woman who is supposedly haunting the place. Because as I did my research, I realized that she is a bad bitch. So Ashton Villa was... Well, you know, Texas breeds badass bitches. It does. And she's another prime example. It's the name of an episode that we did. I know. Because that's where I talked about that fucking wife who got shot in the face. Yeah. Her teeth were falling out and and she still managed to get away. away. Yeah, good for her. She's a badass bitch. So back to Ashton Villa. Ashton Villa was constructed in 1859 by James Brown. It was one of the first brick structures in Texas, and it served as headquarters for the Confederate Army throughout the duration of the war. Fun fact, though, I didn't know this, so I did research. June 19th, also known as Juneteenth, which Mm -hmm. is the Emancipation Day in Texas, It's also, it was the day the Union Army, federal troops, came to take possession of the state and emancipate 
the slaves, and the general who made the announcement did so from the balcony of Ashton Villa. Okay, so it's a historical place too. So the house was made by James to house him, his wife, Rebecca. They think they had a few sons, and then they had their two daughters, Betty and Matilda. Betty is our badass bitch. So Betty was a philanthropist and civic leader. She was described as one of the island's wealthiest and most independent women who enjoyed shocking the grand dames of island society. Mm, bish. She hosted lavish parties at the villa where she drank and she smoked cigars. She would even lay out a red carpet from the street all the way into the house. Get it, girl. So that the ladies didn't have to get their dresses dirty walking into the home. that type of extra. Oh, listen to this type of extra. I read one account that said she entered one of her parties with a whole pack of kittens riding on the train she of her dress. Up. I'm not kidding. She took Cat Lady to a whole nother level. No, she apparently walked into this party with all these kittens on the train of her dress, like smoking a cigar. Um, I aspire so to be that kind of Cat Lady. Girl, don't we all? Except with dogs. I want little mogwais all on the train of my dress. I want to start a black cat sanctuary. Aww. All right, so she has these lavish parties. She studied painting in Vienna from 1881 to 1883, and her works still hang in the halls of the house. She loved to travel, often alone. And one story that I read notes how she was traveling in the Middle East. She met this other couple and was, like, hanging out with them. But at one point in the journey, they got separated by a storm, and the couple had to go back to the ship and she was, like, left on land. And the husband wrote in his journal that his wife was uneasy for her, but I, not a bit. She can take care of herself. <laughs> so she was just, like, an independent woman. She openly complained that girls outperformed boys academically, but boys grew up to be voters and girls could not. Mm. She, was a, she was a woman before her time. Uh, she raced her carriage down the street she apparently preferred to have black horses pulling it during the daytime and white horses at night. She smoked cigars in public and she never married. Good for her. When both her parents passed, she took ownership ownership of the villa. Mm -hmm. And at that point, she was also very outspoken about saying that all property owners should be able to have the right to vote. So she was like, I want to vote. Mm -hmm. I want to fucking vote. Now, she had her sister, Matilda, who will also come into play. But in 1896, Matilda divorced her husband on the grounds of cruel treatment. So he was beating her. The papers filed noted how their children would run to Betty's home, the villa, for protection when their parents fought. Betty being unmarried was also a point noted in the divorce, the husband's lawyer tried to claim that Betty had hypnotic powers and had coerced her sister into leaving her husband because she was lonely, having no husband of her own. Oh, of course, naturally. Betty's response was, if I had, hold on, she's in, from Texas. If I had ever possessed any hypnotic power, I should have used it on Mr. Sweeney to make him a good husband to my sister whom I idolized. There we go. 
She's so awesome. Matilda was granted the divorce and custody of the children, and she moved into the villa, and they lived there. Now, during the Galveston hurricane of 1900, which, like, devastated the entire island, the villa sheltered four generations of the Brown family, and it survived the storm. Most likely, well, no, it did survive the storm because of this. It flooded to the top of the first floor door, but instead of demolishing the house, they opened the front and back doors to let the water flow freely through the house instead of forcing to, like, hold against it. And they all took shelter upstairs. upstairs. And the water just, it ruined the first floor, but they were able to rebuild that. And after the, uh, in the aftermath, Betty went and drove all over the city to survey the damage. And she took in as many survivors into the house as they could until new homes were made available for them. Um, She was very big in her civic duties. And the last story I'll tell about her happens in 1913. And she served as president of the board of lady managers. That's what it's called. Board of lady managers that supervised the running of a woman's home. Um, It was also one of the first institutions run by women. And in 1913, she helped plan a fundraising tango ball. (laughs) And shocked by the idea, the Galveston Ministerial Association urged the board to cancel the event. And when they didn't, the ministers issued a formal protest in the news, calling the dance both improper and absolutely harmful to the morals of the community. Yeah, girl, tango, that's the devil's dance. That's the devil's dance. dance. And how dare these older ladies have this dance? So Betty responded, the tango dance, when perfectly executed, is absolutely harmless. The ball ended up raising about $670, which is $300 more than they had raised the previous year. Good for her. So, fuck them. Betty died in the villa in 1920 at the age of 65. They believe that she had Lou Gehrig's disease, which is unfortunate. So she was born... That was before Lou Gehrig, so they just called it the disease. They just called it... She's... She real sick. She looks rough. She looks real rough. (laughs) It's not looking good for Betty. So she was born, raised, never married, and died in that in home. The house. And she has apparently never left. Good for her. So people report she's got a chest of drawers, like a trunk that was hers, that will be locked one day and unlocked the next That's day. Sure. And the key has been missing for decades. They have no idea where the key is. That ghosty bitch has she it. She just wanted to get her clothes. She had to have a ball. Ceiling fans will turn on and off. And usually they're in the rooms that Betty would frequent. So sure. they say that she gets too warm. So she turns the fan on. Uh, I love this point. Her bed will never stay made. It's They'll make it up, and then they come back, and it's disheveled. And I'm like, hell yeah, you don't got to make your bed to be a productive woman. She's like, no, bitch, I, I don't, don't get in it like this. No. I sleep like that. Yeah. Why would Turn I make it, it up? I'm about to get into get right it and ruin it again. Jeez, don't That's even worry. I feel about it. Why are you wasting your time? I make my bed when the sheets are coming off. 
Yeah. I mean, I've rolled over too many times and now the sheet is coming off. So, yeah. But I've got those little suspender clips. I need to get those. And so now I hardly ever make my bed. I make my bed when Val's like, baby, we got to make the bed. And I'm like, man, all right. See, you live in that beddy life. Unmake that bed. Right? I'm like, this is how I live. Okay. So she apparently unmakes the bed, which I love. And then cold spots. People have seen shadows. Your normal stuff. But obviously nothing malicious because Betty ain't about that. No. I think I read somewhere that you'll smell the scent of cigars too because she was real big on smoking and drinking. Yeah. Living her best life. Yeah. Fuck everybody. Best life. The other the other tales are that people will hear the sounds of a piano. Now Betty never played the piano, but her sister Matilda did. So people think that her and her sister are still living their lives in the home to this day. Right? I'm into that. Right? I I read it. I read about this on a website. I was looking up Houston Ghosts and I read about it and the little blurb said the spinster daughter of James Brown loved this home so much that she never married and she never left it. And I was like, well, let me read into this. And then I realized, no, she's not a spinster. This bitch was awesome. She's like, look, this is the life I want to lead. And they said I'm she, lucky enough to get to lead it. There's a picture of her that I feel like perfectly describes Betty, and I'll show it to you. They said she had no sorti- no shortage of suitors. She could have a man if she wanted. There she is. Oh, yeah. Look at, look look at, at that face. face. <laughs> oh, my God. I love her. Right? She's a hero. Goals. Hero. Hashtag goals. We'll post that picture because that is so good. I want to be Miss like, Betty Brown. Who doesn't want to be Miss Betty Brown? Miss Betty Brown, the bad bitch. So, proof again, Texas breeds some badass bitches good for her and that's the story of ashton villa and miss betty brown it used to be open they would do ghost tours and it was a historical site it's no longer open to the public however you can have your wedding there (laughs) or something else but it still stands in galveston and it's owned by the galveston historical society so there you go i love it yeah right isn't that fun i love that story i discovered that and i was like "Ooh, stephanie's gonna like this too the idea of her walking into a party with kittens all on the train. Yes. Just like full Lady Gaga status. Like, this is fashion. She's my new hero. Right? I love that face. I do too. Yeah. We're definitely going to post that. Because she could not she give a shit sucks. about these these two dudes. They're like, hey, Betty. And she's like, mm. she's like, I got better things to do. I, I got to go tango. Good for her. So, yeah. Yay. Well, that was fun. That was good. Did you guys like it? It was a very light episode. Yeah, not Um, scary. Nice ghosts. Nice ghosts. Check us out. Tell your friends. Uh, Hopefully, not next week, but the week after next, we will be back in the studio space. But, of course, until then, we always, always need your support. The best way you can support us is through our Patreon, which we mentioned earlier, patreon.com slash deadtimestories, all in word with a Z. And you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. We have $1, $5, and $15 tiers. Each one comes with what came beneath it and then also something cool and extra, including bonus content. We've got our Facebook group and, of course, the Faint Flatulence Collection where you get a ghost fart sent to your home, a handcrafted, hand-captured ghost fart every month in a jar with a lovely little piece of parchment telling you about the ghost whose fart is in the jar. And what is it you like to say? The remains. The that... I yeah, I usually like to <laughs> make some sort of joke about, you know, the remains left behind by somebody's remains. <laughs> and they're behind. The 
remains that remained behind from the behind. Their behind remains that remained behind. <laughs> um, and, of course, you can support us for free by subscribing to our show, by rating us, by giving us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. And, of course, you can email us at deadtimestories with a Z, all one word, at gmail.com. And, of course, by following us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Yes. Sarah's show opens next week. <laughs> She's so excited about it, just like the little boy in that gif. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. It's going to be okay. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine. It's going to be good. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Have a spooky week. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curnison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. <laughs>